The following presentation is brought to you by The Realm Network The Bob Seska Show Presented by BubbleGenius.com Hello, Bob here with this week's Bubble Genius Showcase Ed of the Week There's no better way to troll your Trump supporter friends than by picking up Bubble Genius's own tiny orange hand soap set Give yourself a hand or take two They're small, tiny in fact Teeny tiny And they're orange, of course, and smells appropriately of circus peanuts in honor of the GOP's clown dictator. Am I right, folks? Only $12 at BubbleGenius.com, but if you use our promo code CESCA at checkout, you'll get an additional 15% off only at BubbleGenius.com. And now, let the cartoons begin. F you. Broadcasting from Resistance Headquarters, relentlessly fighting back against the clown dictator and his regime of deplorables. Never give up, never surrender. This is the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. Hello, sorry, everybody. Um, look, we are one big happy family here, yeah? Now, I've been trying to welcome you, you guys. You know, I didn't want you here, but you're here now, so, you know, well done. Welcome. But... If there's one thing I don't like, it's nicknames, yeah? Because nicknames are bad names, yeah? They're not helpful, yeah? They can be very hurtful to people. Not to me, it's like water for duck's back. But, you know... You used to call Malcolm Kojak. That was affectionate, you know? He was a great detective and a a fine actor. Well, maybe Mr Toad's affectionate. Who's Mr Toad? Some people call you that as well. I thought I was Bluto. Yeah, Bluto and Mr. Toad. Why am I Mr. Toad? There's the face again. What? It's an insult, isn't it? Very... Body fascism. That's what that is. The toad is the ugliest of all the amphibians. I can't... If we're handing out insults for being fat, let's have a go at him. Look at him. Why... And he's got glasses. Let's call... Four eyes as well. Why don't we call him Fatty Fatty Toad Boy if we're... You know, at least start on him and then move on. Mr. Toad, I can't... Bob Seska! Today's Rachel Maddow Show Award for Headline Excellence goes to Bob Seska. The Bob Seska Show! Hello, Bob. It is... Oh, hi, Rachel. It is Thursday, May 11, 2017, and this is the Bob Seska Show presented by BubbleGenius.com. I am Bob, and we are brought to you each and every show by Bubble Genius. It's the best soap in the world. Also brought to you by the Bowen Law Group and attorney Charles J. Bowen. If you need a lawyer, better call Bo or go get free legal advice at thebowenlawgroup.com slash Bob and Chez, or you can just click the link on the podcast page. All right. Uh, it's kind of a slow news day. Not a lot to talk about. Just a few things. Maybe it's a slow news week. <laughs> I know. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's get underway here. Let's bring in Jackie Schechner. Uh, yep, Jackie. Jackie Schechner's here. It's Thursday. It's Thursday. I don't know. I've just been watching back-to-back hearings and breaking news. <laughs> I've lost track of all time. Yep, I know. It's just one of those things where I, you just have to tear yourself away. It was almost impossible to work yesterday. I had to write two different things yesterday, one for the Daily Banter and then another thing for Salon. And I'm just going, I just want to watch MSNBC all day. I want, you know, it's just that we're at this point now where all at once, Jackie, I am uh, horrified and excited at the same time. Well, it looks like, you know, we may be coming to a head at some point. I don't know what that head's going to look like. And when it pops, Lord knows what's in it. But it, it <laughs> Gross. looks like we're coming to a head. <laughs> <laughs> Disgusting. Um, pimple. I'm talking about a pimple. Jesus. But, well, that's what I mean. That's what, I, that's oh, what I'm okay. thinking of. I'm thinking like the like a, a zit <laughs> that looks like Trump's head. You know, in fact, most zits do look like Trump's head. So that's uh, that's something there. Um, so we, we have to get into uh, everything that's going on. Going on with regard to uh, Trump Russia, um, it is the Trump Crisis Day One Twelve. We are just a few days into the uh, whoop, there it is the uh, high water mark of the uh, of the Russia investigation so far. Everything that's been going down the past few days, I think we have we have turned a corner and we're headed toward a lot of weirdness. I mean, it's just going to be 
the next, uh, I don't know, how many months, maybe a year. It's it's just going to get crazier and crazier as we go. Because now, Jackie, we're getting closer to Trump's face with the Trump-Russia investigation. It is getting, I mean, we're, we're now basically in the Oval Office. We're As of yesterday, the whole thing, I think, uh, landed right in, uh, in Trump's lap. Well, nothing says nothing to see here, like firing the guy who's in charge of investigating your ties to Russia and inviting the foreign minister into the Oval Office with the (laughs) photographer at the request of Vladimir Putin. It wasn't just the foreign minister, though. It wasn't just Lavrov. It was Kislyak. It was this guy who's been at the center of this entire thing all along, going back to at least uh, at least from, from the press reports, going back to July and the conventions where Carter Page was meeting with Kislyak. We've got meetings between Manafort and Kislyak, Jared Kushner and Kislyak, Mike Flynn and Kislyak. In fact, Mike Flynn and Kislyak, that, I mean, that's everything to do with the Mike Flynn or at least the way the Mike Flynn story culminated during the transition with all of these conversations that uh, Flynn lied about to the FBI between Flynn and Kislyak. I mean, this is what's gotten Trump into so much trouble. This guy and and the involvement of his staff with this guy throughout this whole investigation and as the story unfolds. And then, of course, yesterday, the day after he fires James Comey, uh, Trump invites Kislyak and Lavrov, as you, said, as you said, into the Oval Office, and with no American press available, no international press available, Fox News and Breitbart weren't even allowed in, but TASS was allowed in. Well, you know, as, as Josh Dorner points out, because I want to give credit where due on Twitter, uh, he said the White House readout of that meeting failed to mention the ambassador as well. And he says, for some reason, lots of people are very forgetful when it comes to the Russian ambassador. I mean, yeah. they, the White House didn't even admit he was there in their readout of that meeting. But of course, we have those photographs. And apparently, the Russians told the White House that it was Lavrov's personal photographer without mentioning that he's actually part <laughs> of the TASS news agency, and yeah. the White House didn't have the time or inclination, I guess, to do a basic Google search. Well, this is just, again, the team to that figure could, out who this guy really was. There's part of me that's really, really relieved that Team Trump is so is incompetent. incompetent. Yeah, but at the risk of sounding like a huge conspiracy theorist, yeah. there are a lot of people who were talking about letting this guy into the Oval Office, and what kind of equipment could he have brought in with him? And I think, oh, that's really funny, but then you read the news that Putin personally asked President, uh, what's his face, to invite the foreign minister into the Oval Office specifically. (laughs) And they have this (laughs) camera guy tagging along with him. So, you know, it doesn't seem all that far-fetched when you start to put the pieces together. I mean, we all know Trump's a moron. Putin knows Trump's a manipulated moron. And he says to him, hey, do me a favor, invite Lavrov and Kislyak, but Lavrov specifically, into the Oval Office. Yeah. Like, welcome him into the Oval Office. And by the way, we're sending along this photog. Yep. So it doesn't seem, and when you start to put the pieces together, it doesn't seem that convoluted to suggest that maybe there was some ulterior motive to that meeting happening in that location. Yeah, I mean... uh, Throwing it out there. Well, sure. And at the very least, you have to question where Trump's loyalties are. If he's allowing allowing Lavrov's personal photographer, obviously a a TASS uh, photographer, that's the Russian state media, for God's sake, into the Oval Office, but he's not allowing any other American press into the Oval Office, even the French press. I mean, for like I said, Fox News wasn't even allowed in. Why was it? Why was it such a, a closed meeting? What was so important going on? Well, and, look at the optics. I mean, look yeah. at the pictures of him standing there with those two guys, smiling and laughing and goofing, and juxtaposed with the meeting he had with Angela Merkel <laughs> in his office. I mean, it could not be more of an obvious distinction before people say it's how he feels about russia versus the west i would say how he feels about men versus women i mean you know i uh i referred to it yesterday as a (laughs) three-way as a three-way and you know what it's looking at the pictures now totally looks like a three-way totally looks i mean trump with a big big ass-eating grin on his face uh doing his crazy handshake thing with both lavrov and kislyak and and, uh, a group three-way photo and then also individually i mean lavra i mean uh, uh kislyak somebody's getting lubed up we're just not sure yeah. <laughs> someone's getting lubed up and i think kislyak brought the lube i think uh kislyak it's impossible to miss kislyak in a group of people kislyak looks very 
shall we say, distinctive. Kislyak. Well, Kislyak makes Bannon look healthy. <laughs> exactly. I was going to say Kislyak is like the less healthy looking version of Roger Ailes. <laughs> so if, if Roger Ailes was even less healthy than he was, then, if then Bannon he'd be... let himself go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh my God, Bannon's really let himself go. Oh no, wait a minute, sir. That's Kislyak. Oh. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so there was this. Uh, this meeting yesterday, and we're not entirely sure what was discussed. I don't think we're uh, supposed to know what was talked about. I mean, right now, um, Jackie, I'm kind of, I mentioned being through the looking glass earlier, and mm-hmm. I think I have reached a point where I can rule out nothing. I mean, I'm really starting to think out of the box, and, I, and I'm afraid. I don't want to go down that road of being a conspiracy theorist, but I do want to, and I'm glad you brought up the whole idea of, of conspiracy theories, because I think there is a difference between what's going on with Trump-Russia and your sort of run-of-the-mill Alex Jones-style conspiracy theories, which... No, I mean, I was a journalist for a really, really long time before I went into issue advocacy and then went back to journalism, and I'm very well aware of what it looks like when you start to throw out conspiracy theories. And I'm very careful because I don't want to mar my reputation when it comes to how I feel about certain things. But this one just seems like when you think that you can't get too far, it goes even farther than you could possibly imagine. And I don't think that Trump or his associates are all that bright. And I think that they assume the rest of us aren't that bright. And that's why they do things like saying that they fired Comey because of how he treated Clinton. I mean, they can't... <laughs> so dumb. You can't think that anybody genuinely believes this. And thank God for Jeffrey Tubin for getting on CNN when this yeah. first happened and said, hey, guys, let's let's keep in mind this is absurd. And CNN did its best to try to justify any kind of legitimate conversation around, well, maybe this letter, this Rod Rosenstein letter had some merit to it. And I mean, they mm-hmm. just tried their... They bent over backwards to add some justification and to make it sound like they weren't taking the side of those of us who are reasonable, right? They were they <laughs> right. were trying to create some sort of, well, what if scenario. And thank God for Tubin, who came out and said, let's just call it what it is, people. Stop. Well, and, it, and it, yeah, I mean, you know, Jim I, I, Shudo, too. I'll give him credit because he was pretty good about it, too, of saying, hey, guys, like, let's stop with the speculation. We know exactly what's going on. Here. Oh, sure, sure, sure. But I think the difference between speculation and a, and a, a, a at least what we consider to be a conspiracy theorist now in, in the yeah. sort of Alex Jones mold, I, I think the difference is, is that like people like Alex Jones, they're completely married uh, to their theories, they believe their theories are are real. I mean, they they're not actually speculating. They're saying this is what happened, and I know for sure. And in the case of Alex, I got the documents. I got lots of documents sitting right here to prove. And of course, all of his documents are invariably uh, uh, printouts from Infowars. Right. <laughs> That's his evidence. I got documents right here. Oh yeah, I, I don't look too carefully because this is just a pr- printout of a Paul Joseph Watson article on Infowars. Eh. You know, and that's what he passes off. But I mean, none of us, I think, are going. This is exactly what happened, and this is exactly how it happened. Um, but I think we all have a pretty good idea in terms of the broad strokes of all of this. And as the cover up grows thicker, mm-hmm. um, you know what? The details of of Trump Russia in terms of collusion, in terms of hijacking the election, uh, almost. I don't want to say they become secondary because obviously they're the nut of, of what we're talking about here. But I think where Trump gets himself into trouble and where we could see Trump actually uh, facing uh, serious legal accountability in all of this is in the cover-up. It's, mm-hmm. it's really in the uh, cover-up. And now what we're starting to hear is increased interest uh, in an investigatory way into Trump's business relationships with Russia. And even Lindsey Graham now is like, Hmm, there might be something here. There might be something here from uh, from Trump and, and his dealings with all those Russian oligarchs. And, F you. Right, and Lindsey Graham is, is about to say uh, a big F you to, uh, I mean, to you, Trump on that. Yeah, you can't lose track of the fact that American banks won't lend to Trump. Oh, I know. And so he gets all of his money from other places, and those other places happen to be Russian oligarchs. And we know this because his not very bright sons have both said it on (laughs) separate occasions. Don Jr. said that a disproportionate amount of their portfolio comes from Russian money. And then Eric, the also not so bright son, said something to a golf reporter about how their (laughs) golf courses are financed through Russian money. 
Duh, so, duh, and I believe duh. that a thousand percent. Like yeah. I believe that the two of them are that dumb that they're just spewing this information and thanking the Russians publicly for all the money they've dumped into their business. Oh, so for so Trump dumb. to say he has no dealings there, and I don't believe anything that comes out of Trump's mouth at all. But I mean, Jackie, certified letter. He's writing a certified that, letter. Don't you understand that that's... Yeah, that, that counts. By the way, Trump has retained counsel. I don't know if you're aware of this, but that's actually true. He's retained counsel defend, to defend him, outside counsel, to defend him on Trump-Russia on this. Oh, really? Which, Separate from... Yeah, I mean, this is sort of a story that got buried yesterday, but yeah, Trump's hired outside counsel for all of this, which is, uh, again... But when you say getting, all of this, are you saying about... Trump-Russia. Trump Russia. Okay, so all of the Trump Russia. Yeah, all of the Trump Russia thing. So again, I mean, if we go back to the uh, the oligarchs and 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 Trump's business ties, which you know the words money laundering have been floated around a lot lately, and that's certainly uh, I think going to bear out if we're if we're really going to dive into uh, Trump's relationships, and then we have. Uh, the testimony the other day of James Clapper with Sally Yates, in which Sheldon Whitehouse asked James Clapper, or didn't ask him, but basically presented a scenario. If you're doing business with Russia mm-hmm. and Russian money, uh, does that open you up to blackmail? <laughs> He's asking James Clapper. And, and by, I mean, blackmail by the Russian government. And James sure. Clapper said, yes, that's classic compromise. And yeah, I mean, it makes total sense. If they own yeah. him financially, they own him. And think about where Trump's weak spots are. He doesn't want to talk about how much he's worth. And if the Russians hold the information as to how much they've lent him and what he owes and how much he's worth, that's the biggest compromising information they could possibly have as far as he's concerned. Oh, because yeah. his ego is tied up in his wealth. Well, right. And and then on top of all of that, it, it uh, the, the nature of the business dealings and the people who he's dealing with and, and, and some of the details in terms of the events that occurred when the deals went down. I mean, I'm thinking not specifically the PP tape, but mm-hmm. I'm thinking things similar to that intelligence that was gathered, compromising intelligence on Donald Trump in order to be able to manipulate him to do what they want. And certainly if there's uh, millions, if not billions, Billions of, of dollars in, in Russian money tied up in, in Trump and Trump uh, organization, then uh, then I think they're going to keep close tabs on him using <laughs> using this uh, compromising information. Oh, and, for and, sure. And worse, they can actually use it for government purposes as well. Because, I mean, remember, Russia is basically run by oligarchs, Vladimir Putin being one of the wealthiest oligarchs, Medvedev a close second. <laughs> so they, uh, they have certain interests in uh, making sure that Donald Trump pays his loans and making sure that they keep a, a Donald Trump on a, on a short leash. And All you have to do is look as far as yesterday. I mean, he fires yeah. Comey. He looks like a moron. And then at <laughs> Vladimir Putin's request, he invites the foreign minister and the ambassador into the Oval Office. The next, yeah. The, I mean, the next the day. The next day. I mean, is there not somebody in the communications department that says, gosh, sir, this looks kind of bad. Yeah. I, they there- don't care. And, and of course, that it's stuff like that that leads everyone to believe in uh, in, in conspiracy theories. And, mm-hmm. and I think, and again, going back to what I would consider to be more legitimate conspiracy theories insofar as maybe they're more of a, a, of a series of a hypotheses or something like that, where um, to, to say that perhaps... Uh, you know, Comey was fired on a deadline. Maybe that's why it was rushed. Maybe the deadline was the appearance of Lavrov and Kislyak in the Oval Office the next day. I, I know that there's a logical fallacy say, before it, therefore because of it. Mm-hmm. That I think that's a possibility, of course, but I think it's more likely that Trump wanted to get this done with James Comey before the Russians showed up. Uh, I don't know that he would necessarily say out loud in the Oval Office, I did. I did this. <laughs> Hello, guys. I did this for you. Comey's mm-hmm. gone. I don't mm-hmm. think it's a you know an admission like that. I think all they need is a wink and a handshake in order to uh, to, to know that Trump has satisfied uh, you know his duty as a <laughs> as a well, sworn deputy also, of Vladimir Putin. Was it also Lavrov who laughed? When he was, wasn't it him who was standing with Tillerson? Oh, yeah, and they, yeah. And they told him that Comey was fired and he laughed about yeah, it or just kind of rolled his eyes. So I, 
you know, I don't know what the expected reaction was, um, yeah. but I wasn't entirely sure that he didn't already know. I mean, it didn't look like he was all that surprised. Yeah, I got the impression that that reaction was like, oh, is this the news today? Like, yeah. he had, like he had already seen it, like he had watched it that morning on CNN in the airport or something like that. And was like, and saw it, it was all over the news and he was making a sarcastic remark about how right. it's, how it's uh, uh, you know, <laughs> wall-to-wall coverage all over the place. So let me ask you this. Do you fall, which side do you fall on? Do you fall on the side of the Trump administration is so grossly incompetent that they sent a letter to the FBI to hand deliver to Comey not knowing he was out of town? Or did they send a letter to the FBI to officially fire him while he was out of town so they could get in and get his stuff? I think which uh, side do you fall on there? Well, my first instinct is that they they did it in an incompetent way. They they rushed through the entire process, which is why the recommendation letter is also dated May 9th as well right. as Trump's letter itself. So basically, right. we're talking about two major major documents that one informing the other but both are dated the same day, which... Well, uh, there's actually the third in there, because there's the Rosenstein letter, which lays that's out right, the yeah. case, then the Sessions letter that recommends the termination. Yeah, exactly. Exa- yeah, so there, there are all three... Never mind that. that recusal thing. That's right. God, I, forgot, <laughs> I completely forgot about the Sessions letter, yeah. too. But, I mean, between all three, I mean, we're talking about documents that were authored on the same day, dated for the same day, and then we're hearing news reports now about how this was all a consequence of Trump watching the, like the Sunday shows and getting pissed off at Comey and then seeking justification uh, maybe a week ago, something like that, where he wants to get rid of Comey, but then he asks the Justice Department to come up with bogus uh, pretext for the firing, which is as a kind what of comical done. aside. You ever worked for a company with an HR department? You know that you have to create a justification, <laughs> yeah, and a paper trail before you fire somebody so you don't get sued. So just like a bad CEO in a business, yep. he fabricated this paper trail the day of, like yeah. not even pretending that there was an accumulated paper trail. Well, God, I mean, part of the problem. You know, Jesus, there's so many layers of problems. It's hard to know where to begin. But part of the problem is that Trump thinks everyone works for him. He thinks the mm-hmm. government works for him, and that is absolutely not the case. We'll uh, get into that a little bit more here in a second. But, God, I mean, bear with us as we unpack all of this, because news is breaking as we speak. And, of course, of course, on Tuesday, this whole Comey thing broke, like, 30 seconds after we wrapped up Tuesday's show. It was I had just... the same problem. I was with uh, John Fugel saying on the air, <laughs> yeah. uh, sitting sitting uh, sidecar on Tuesday, and then I got into my actual car, and the news broke. Oh, Jesus. But yeah. I, got, I got to come back on Wednesday, which was fun, and we spent a good chunk of time discussing it. So at well, least it gave us some fodder for Wednesday. It's always a great way to get like zero people to listen to your podcast, to do a show and then have it not cover the massive <laughs> bombshell breaking news story that occurred 30 seconds after. So everything that we talked about on Tuesday was beca- outdated, became almost irrelevant at that point. Oh, yeah, yeah. No. It's just so frustrating. Um, you know what? But that's the case with this administration, right? I mean, just when you think you got it covered, yeah. something new explodes. Thanks, Trump. Uh,. Okay, so I uh, I got an email the other day. It said, "Bob, stop making fun of Civil War beards. Why are you so hard on us? Why why are you teasing us millennials and our Civil War beards?" Look, uh, much like the late Don Rickles, I kid because I love. I once had myself a giant Civil War beard. <laughs> For a very short period of time, yeah, a long time ago, there may be photos still floating around. But uh, you know, I, I had I had a beard, and I had uh, for about ten years, I had a mustache and a goatee. I had I you know I've experimented with all kinds of facial hair. Believe me, uh, that's I, ca- <laughs> I can't relate. <laughs> but I, I mean, and again, at least but, not intentionally. <laughs> so, but I mean, I'm speaking from experience, Jackie. And so far as one of the reasons I did that is because I couldn't find a decent razor to shave my face with. I just kept getting like razor burn, and it was uncomfortable. And I was always cutting myself, and then mm-hmm. just b- making all kinds of landfill with these disposable plastic razors. Sure. So that's one of the reasons why I've been mentioning beards. I don't mean to ridicule. Hashtag not all millennials. <laughs> Right. All right. So, but I mean, everyone. Don't get your ironic t shirt in a bunch. That's right. But everyone wants a smooth, clean shave from a blade that glides just like butter and comes right to your door at half the cost of the big name brands. You can't beat that. 
That's what I love so much about shaving with uh, products from Harry's, from the hefty, balanced handle that fits in your hand to the precision-engineered five-blade cartridges that come with a lubricating strip, a trimmer blade, and a travel cover to Harry's rich, lathering shave gel. It all started when Harry's founders Jeff and Andy got tired of getting ripped off on blade prices. One big company in particular jacked their prices up again and again and made a fortune while we all spent a fortune. So they bought their own factory, one that's been making blades for over 100 years, so they can ship top quality blades directly to you. The result? Quality products at your door for half of what you've been paying, and that's the Harry's story. Become a part of it. Go to harrys.com right now. Harry's, Harry's, Harry's. To try their new shave set for free, free of charge, you just pay the shipping. Sign up at harrys.com slash B-O-B-C. That's harrys.com slash B-O-B-C. And because you're a loyal listener to this podcast, Harry's will even throw in a free post-shave bomb, but only if you log on to harrys.com slash B-O-B-C. The Bob Seska Show. Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. All right, welcome back to our Thursday show. Jackie Schechner is here, and this is the brand new uh, new pornographer. So. White Out Conditions, I love this album. It was actually, you know what? Believe it or not, not to uh, necessarily bring the show down, this was the last album recommendation that Chez ever presented to me. Which wasn't, I mean, for me, it wasn't a revelation because I'm a huge, huge fan of new pornographers. Because, of course, they're Canadian. And I, for some reason, I just love... Uh, You're can- fond of Canadian? Canadian uh, rock music, for some reason, is really damn good. I don't know what it is about Canada. But I'm they really have angry some, uh, at Chez for missing this. Like, yeah, I, I just know. feel like all of this is so in his wheelhouse. He'd have yeah. so much fun with this. And, you know, people, I can only hope he's watching. I'm sure people keep asking you, Jackie, uh, you know, what happens when you when that sort of pang of, of missing Chez pops up? Which, which, I mean, just speaking for myself, that happens. Uh, believe it or not, quite often. Yeah, where I'm just too. like, yeah, and it's usually when I'm I'm just skimming the news and I'm going, oh my god, what would Chess say about that? And yeah. then I just go, oh. oh. I had a Chez. moment the other day. I went to so I go to Soul Cycle and I got Chess into it. Oh and yeah. I went to the I went to the studio where he used to ride with me, and that was the first time I'd been back since we lost him. And it was there was a, a moment where I I looked around the room expecting to see him, and he wasn't there, and I. I had a pang, but I will say that I, I also smile a lot when I think of him, and that's kind of a nice thing. You should have you should have placed one red rose at the base right? of, of at the his base bike, of the, bike. <laughs> the Chez bike. They should. I, play. I can always find a way to bring it back to Soul Cycle, but that's something Chez would have loved too, because <laughs> there's nothing there's nothing funnier than the first time you see Chez get on a Soul Cycle bike. Yes, know? I mean that was one of those things. I was like, oh my god, Chez is doing Soul Cycle. I I never yeah. thought I'd ever. I, I mean, I never actually saw him on a bike, but I mean, just. Just the, the mental image of Chaz. Yeah, no, I think it was really good cycle. for him. Yeah, I think he wanted to get back. He wanted to get his fitness on, and I think he he was trying to find a way to kind of get his head in order. Uh, and it was a, a good start in that direction at the time. I oh think, yeah, so. super healthy for him. I think uh, he was into that, and he did some CrossFit for a while. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, he was he always felt really great doing all those things. Oh, and of course, uh, there's autoplay video. Uh, which leads us into, <laughs> into uh, or back to, I should say, the uh, the Comey revelations and, yes. and everything going on with Trump Russia. Um, two reasons, two reasons why Comey was fired. This is the news we're getting today from uh, CNN. One, Comey never provided the president with any assurance of personal loyalty. This goes back to what I was saying earlier, Jackie, about how Trump is under the uh, false assumption that that the FBI director works for him personally. Right. Which is his... It's the, the BS Republican line that uh, the government operates like a corporation. I hate that. I mean, people say we need a businessman. You can't operate government like a business. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. And we're finding that out. I mean, look, even if you, if you had a smart businessman in place and maybe there's a way to use that knowledge... To move our country forward, but you have to have some compassion in there and to understand that you can't operate government like a business because you have to take care of people. That's how we yeah. operate as a society. Uh, but he's not even a bright businessman. <laughs> All you have to do is read the Economist interview. I mean, oh, God. <laughs> oh yeah, just uh, while we're there, while we're talking about that, this is my uh, 
maybe my favorite thing of the day, which is uh, is is Trump taking credit for inventing the phrase "prime the pump." Yeah, no, he flat out says that he he came up with that. He invented that phrase. Not that it's been around since the nineteenth century. Nineteenth century, yes. Oh my God. Right. So and in it this- comes from from what I understand, putting water into a pump to get the air out. I mean that there's a there's an actual reason we use that phrase. But Trump just came up with it at the off the top of his head. He personally invented that phrase. I mean, if you don't think he's a psychopath, I mean, you don't have to look very far. He thinks he personally invented that phrase. That phrase, right? Which is like it re- totally reminds me of Fred Willard's character in. Uh, one of those Christopher Guest movies where he claims that he invented the phrase, I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> so goddamn funny. But this is Trump legitimately insisting that he invented the phrase, prime the pump. While talking about his tax reform plan, Trump used the phrase, priming the pump, and claimed that he came up with it, quote unquote, a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Except that the phrase dates back to the early 19th century, as you said, Jackie. According to, you know, the dictionary wrong um so he yeah. says here there's a there's a conversation back and forth between trump and the economist and they're talking about tax reform and uh and trump says we have to prime the pump and then uh the economist says it's very keynesian and then trump says we're the highest tax nation in the world have you heard that expression before for this particular type of event and the economist says priming the pump and then Trump says, yeah, have you heard it? And the economist says, yes. And then Trump says, have you heard that expression used before? Because I haven't heard it. I mean, I just, I came up with it a couple of days ago and I thought it was good. It's what you have to do. And then the economist said, it's, and then Trump says, yeah, what you have to do is you have to put something in before you can get something out. So that's the genius of Donald Trump and... The invention, the brand new phrase, everybody's using it now, prime the pump. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be a hashtag on Twitter by this afternoon of phrases that Trump came up with. I don't think so. <laughs> hey, what happened? I, I might actually start that when we, when we yeah. start recording. Uh, yeah, there's some good stuff in that interview. Um, I was particularly impressed by the health insurance second sh- section excuse me, of that interview yeah. where he said that the way that insurance works is you put $15 into insurance when you graduate college at 20, and that accumulates over time. And then when you're 70, the money's there when you need it. And he's talking uh, specifically about health insurance. Sounds like he's like, talking about a savings account. Or life insurance or, or Medicare or I don't even, which isn't even how it works what? because it's a percentage of your income. But he's so out in left field and doesn't understand how insurance works to begin with. Oh, my God. But this is in writing, folks. This is exactly how he said it to The Economist. Grandpa. On top of that, yeah, he talks about the $8 billion influx of money into high-risk pools that will provide absolute guaranteed coverage or guaranteed absolute coverage. I'm not entirely sure which uh, adjective or modifier came first, but but absolute guaranteed coverage, $8 billion is going to do it for high risk. Yeah, and isn't it $8 billion spread over five years? Yeah, I mean, it's not even close to the amount of money that you need to cover people in high-risk pools, and high-risk pools don't work. We yeah. We don't work. But to say that the $8 billion is going to provide absolute guaranteed coverage is ridiculous. Have you noticed if anyone from the White House has addressed the fact that it's very likely that it'll be the uh, the Trump voting red states that will opt out of pre-existing conditions and ESBs first before anyone else does? No, I mean, there hasn't been any acknowledgement of that. They're pretending, what they're pretending with the uh, American Health Care Act, as I'm sure you know and your, mm. our listeners know, um, is they're pretending that nobody's going to opt out, that the fact that they put this legislation in that allows for the states to opt out of covering pre-existing conditions, they say things like it's not going to happen. Pre-existing conditions are absolutely covered. Well, my question is why put the waiver option in there? First yeah. of all, it's not going to be difficult to get a waiver. Like let's not pretend that there's some you know hardy bureaucratic process that's going to be in place. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen. And second of all, why put it in there if you think nobody's going to do it? What's the whole point? 
So well, to go out there and to say that it doesn't matter, it's not going to happen, is totally contradictory when it comes to what the legislation itself allows. Yeah, and obviously the uh, the waivers are going to be sought by governors who uh, want to score points by, you know, just taking a giant shit all over all over Obamacare, and that's the Pretty whole much. point. Yeah, I mean yeah. that's the whole point of all of this. It's not it has nothing to do with the policy. It has everything to do with uh, the catchphrase "repeal and replace Obamacare." They've been saying it so often that they have to deliver something, and they just don't hey what happened so i mean they're using obviously they're using the policy to enrich something that they want to do later which is tax reform but mostly as far as uh catering to their voters it's this is really just about the catchphrase as nothing to do with anything else no and he keeps doing the same thing he does it again in the economist interview he says you're going to have hundreds and hundreds of plans to choose from and they're going to be great plans and the premiums are going to be really low and there's not going to be any deductibles and he's just spewing a bunch of buzzwords yeah but there's nothing in the American Health Care Act that says any of that is going to happen and there's nothing in the language that suggests it's going to happen because there's no cost controls in place there's no mandates there's no regulations and free market economy doesn't work when it comes to health care so and we have proof of that because that's what it was before the Affordable Care Act went into place so it's not like we're repealing something and waiting to see what happens we know exactly what happens when there's no Affordable Care Act let me ask you this Jackie before we get back into uh, Trump Russia and everything that happened oh, sure. with Comey this week sorry I got us a little well, off no, no 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 that's okay this is exactly what I wanted to talk about anyway um, I just read this morning that Aetna is now leaving the ACA exchanges, uh, and and I think I, I think this has been in the works for a while. They had mm-hmm. they had started leaving, I believe the case is, and then uh, let's see, uh, leading insurance company Aetna announced on Wednesday that it would not participate in Obamacare exchanges in Delaware and Nebraska in 2018. The move comes a uh, a week after the insurer revealed plans to exit Virginia's Obamacare exchanges after 2017. Um, that leaves, uh, let's see, Aetna uh, leaves uh, Medica as the only insurer on the Nebraska exchange and Highmark Blue Cross uh, Blue Shield as the sole carrier on the Delaware exchange. So the, the question I have for you, Jackie, is what kind of legislation needs to happen to keep these insurers on the exchanges or to encourage them to come back, as the case may be? Well, the irony of all of this is that it's the instability of what Trump and the Republicans are doing that's causing all of these insurers to pull out now. Oh, right, right. Because they don't know what's coming and they're not confident with good reason that Trump and the Republicans will enforce the mandate. And what that means is that People aren't going to be buying health insurance, which means the insurers aren't going to get the people they would have gotten otherwise. So they're mitigating their risk. Uh, It's actually the instability of the market that's causing them to make this decision right now. I I, I think that people need to understand. So so what you're saying is Aetna, just to clarify, Aetna is, is bailing because of Trump care? I, well, that's what I understand is that this this is happening right now because the insurance companies are not confident Jesus. that there's going to get enough money, um, A, from the subsidy payments that mm. the Affordable Care Act allowed them to get, right? I mean, the idea was that they would get these payments to mitigate the risk as the Affordable Care Act ramped up yeah. because they needed some a few years to stabilize, allegedly. I, I think cutting overhead and profits is a good way to go, but that's just me personally. Mm. On top of that, the fact that they're not guaranteed they're going to get the money they were promised, uh, on top of that, the fact that everything is up in the air and we don't know for how long is another reason why they're opting out. I mean, there's a lot of things we need to do to fix the Affordable Care Act, and the monopolies in the insurance industry existed long before the ACA ever came about. So to pretend that this is now a problem, that there's consolidation in the insurance market is is a farce. I mean, this is yep. not new. This has been around for a very long time. Uh, and now that there's such instability, the insurance companies are using it as an opportunity to extract themselves. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, they've been using any and all excuses all along to, uh, <laughs> to to not participate in any of this stuff. I mean, it says here that Aetna also revealed it expects to lose more than $200 million in its individual business line this year, on top of nearly $700 million in losses between 2014 and 2016. Yeah, it's a drop in the bucket for them, first yeah. of all. Second yep. of all, there are ways to reduce expenditures elsewhere where they could actually subsidize profits. 
these these corporations do all sorts of things like buying back their own stock to shore themselves up. And you just have to keep in mind that the only reason insurance company, health insurance companies exist is to make money for shareholders. So if you had, before we talk about pro flowers here, I would ask you this one last question. If You're you getting had, me flowers? I totally am for, <laughs> for Mother's Day. And uh, you're, well, you're kind of a mom now, aren't you? Wouldn't you yeah. say? Right. I'm like a, a pseudo caregiver. I, yeah. Well, let me, <laughs> for, the, for those who don't know, I, I have a, a significant other who has three small children. See, there, so. there you go. Right. And uh, but I mean, so before we uh, we talk about pro flowers, I just want to yes. ask you if, if you had a chance to create one piece of legislation that would save the marketplaces, and that legislation would do basically one thing to preserve the integrity of the marketplaces moving forward, which seems to me as if that's the most unstable part of Obamacare right now. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what would that be? I mean, the, what, what would be like the one thing you would do to, uh, to refortify the uh, integrity of the marketplaces? Oh, I would, I would craft legislation to create a public health insurance option. There you go. Yeah, that's public, what I would public do. option, right yeah, there. No question asked. Because I what what it would do, so people understand, is it would create a plan that people could buy into that would be totally transparent about the networks, the pricing, um, all of the nuances of the of the plan in terms of premiums right. and deductibles, and and it would have no overhead, so it would be more affordable than anything that's on the market. And insurance companies would genuinely be required to compete. Yeah, and it would attract more people to the marketplaces. And and I mean, a lot of people don't know that you can still buy individual of health course. insurance without using the marketplace. Oh, like, of if, course, if you're not going to qualify for the subsidies, you Doesn't can just matter. easily go to uh, whichever the insurers are in your state, and you can buy an individual policy. directly through them there's nothing preventing you from doing that Mm -hmm. and you still get all the consumer protections and and the caps on deductibles and everything oh yeah Yeah. for for now uh but the point of the exchange was to be able to figure out whether or not you qualify for a subsidy and compare and contrast plans easier than you were able to do on your own before those are the two reasons to use the exchange that's right and and with a public option you're drawing more people to the exchange and fewer people buying on the individual marketplace outside of the exchange so that's fancy insurance companies honest Fancy that, a really good healthcare answer from Jackie Schechter. <laughs> Who would have guessed? <laughs> All right, so well, I, Jackie, I hope you get some flowers this weekend. I think you deserve it. As, uh, Thank you. I'm actually not a big flower person. Like, I don't... Really? I, it just doesn't, I, yeah, uh, doesn't float your boat, doesn't huh? doesn't do it for me. Well, they, they, yeah, I mean, I... I, I want to be guaranteed when I get flowers that they're going to be beautiful, and you just never know what you're going to get. So well, that's I would imagine the... that's a good thing about ProFlowers, right? Yeah, absolutely. At ProFlowers.com, you'll find a huge selection of gorgeous Mother's Day bouquets and flowering plants starting as low as $19.99. Do it now. Mother's Day is this weekend. Visit ProFlowers.com right now. Click on the microphone in the upper right-hand corner and type in the password R-E-L-M, Realm. That's the non-traditional spelling of realm. R-E-L-M, as in the realm network. ProFlowers has perfect bouquets for all of the moms in your life. Plus, ProFlowers are guaranteed to stay fresh and beautiful for seven days or your money back. It's a no-brainer. That's ProFlowers.com. The code is R-E-L-M. Once again, ProFlowers.com. The code is R-E-L-M. Go do it now. You're running out of time. Shove Bob Seska into your pants and haul him around with you wherever you go. F you. Subscribe to the Bob Seska Show in the podcast section on iTunes. Okay. Uh, second half of today's show is brought to you by the BobSeska.com Amazon link. If you want to go shopping at Amazon.com, say, for example, you want to buy something for mom, Make sure to go through the uh, bobseska.com link. Uh, it's just beneath the logo at bobseska.com. Big capital letter says Amazon link. You click that link, it takes you right to the front page of amazon.com. There's no special code you have to put in, nothing like that. Just go shopping at that point, and then we get a small commission from everything you buy. It costs you nothing, nothing extra, absolutely nothing extra, and it helps support the show. So thank you for doing that. Make sure to bookmark it, and if you're a small business, make sure to source all of your materials through our Amazon link. Okay, so Jackie Schechner is here and we're talking about uh, <sighs> Trump Russia and uh, yes. and James Comey and Sean Spicer hiding in the bushes. <laughs> I mean, how excited are you for Saturday Night Live and Melissa McCarthy this weekend? This is going to be fantastic. I, I bet if they don't do a hiding in the bushes Sean Spicer sketch this weekend, I'm going to be really disappointed because this is one of those things that I can just kind of envision the sketch now. I'm just envisioning Melissa McCarthy as... <laughs> Sean Spicer popping up out of the uh, 
<laughs> the bushes outside She's going to be White in House. a shrubbery suit. That's right. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Like camouflaged with the bushes. Yes. Wouldn't it be funny if they had her dressed up like, uh, remember the old uh, uh, To Catch a Predator videos? Like yeah. uh, with what's his name? <laughs> what do you think you're doing here? That guy? What's Jumping I, out of the... Oh, um, I forget that guy's name? name. Yes. On Dateline? Is that what <laughs> yeah, you're Yeah, it was about? on Dateline and he did oh, To shit. Catch a Predator. And then what they would do is the guy would uh, would would call them in the kitchen what do you think you're doing here with this underage girl and then the uh chris hansen chris hansen thank you very much chris hansen and and then of course the uh <laughs> the pedophile would go tearing off out of the uh, out of the house you think then- they'd be tipped off when they offer them lemonade right the girl was always like can i get you some lemonade i'll be right back like yes. dude get out of the house and, and all hansen's those coming for you right and, and the cookies on the counter and right. then <laughs> and there's they're, they're standing there in a diaper and then in walks uh uh, Chris Hansen, what do you think you're doing here? And then, uh, and this, so they tear off, they run out the door, and then they're accosted by like law enforcement wearing those giant like snuffleupagus outfits. You know what <laughs> I mean? You know the ones yes. that look like shrubs. Yeah. God, if they put Sean Spicer in the snuffleupagus outfit, God, that would be amazing. A little Shawnee Spicer. I mean, don't they pop out of the bushes in the? Uh, in the uh, Munchkin Land oh, sequence in Wizard of Oz, they all sort of emerge from the bushes. Coincidence? You tell me. That's there's a conspiracy oh. theory for you. And uh, you conveniently had naval reserve duty the day after. <laughs> right. So uh, the the quote here from the Washington Post. By the way, the Washington Post just burning it up right now. They oh, had they've a, been good. Their story uh, about uh, the Comey firing had. Something like 30 sources. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's... You talk about a mutiny. I mean, there was the, the, the words Captain Queeg were being floated around yesterday <laughs> all over social media. But here's this, uh, this one. Uh, this is not the one with 30 sources, but this is a separate uh, article written by Jenna Johnson for the, uh, mm-hmm. the Washington Post. After Spicer spent several minutes hidden in the darkness and among the bushes near the sets, Janet Montesi, an executive assistant in the press office, emerged and told reporters that Spicer would answer some questions as long as he was not filmed doing so. Spicer then emerged from the bushes, quote, just turn the lights off. Turn the lights off, he ordered. We'll take care of this. Can you just turn that light off? Hey, what happened? This is the most insane series of events. I never thought in a million years, coming up uh, and studying politics in college and studying the American presidency in college and, and learning about things like Watergate and all of these presidential scandals, never in a million years did I ever, ever think that something like this would happen with a press secretary hiding in the bushes and the FBI director getting fired by a guy named Donald Trump, who's a reality show diva who somehow got elected president because he colluded with a foreign government, Russia specifically, to hijack the election and be installed as president. Oh, my God. If you brought that script to a producer in Hollywood, they would tell you it was too unbelievable to make the movie. That's you right. know, one of my second favorite things on Twitter would be the editor's note that the Washington Post published correcting the location of Sean Spicer, saying that he huddled with his staff among the bushes, not, quote, in the bushes. There's a difference? What do they explain the difference? I don't know. The story had been updated to, quote, more precisely describe the White House press secretary's location. Apparently, there was a complaint that he wasn't actually in the bushes, that he was among the bushes. Among the bushes. Oh, God. uh, First of all, that's an editor note, if I've ever seen one. Uh, it's good. You know they're having some fun with it. And, and oh you know, the, what they are doing, which I think has really been terrific, and one of the benefits of the power of social media mm-hmm. is they've been updating the same story the more information comes along. <laughs> so you're reading the story about oh, Comey and the firing and the White House mm. response and all of that stuff, and then they add on that Rod Rosenstein allegedly threatened to quit. Yes. And they found out that they were using him as their excuse for firing Comey. Mm. Now, that begs to question why he didn't just quit. Like, what's he hanging on for? Because then he's responsible for the 
series of events that ensue if he doesn't actually quit, if he hangs right. in there, right? There's there's blame to go around and he'll take plenty of it. But I thought that that was an interesting new nugget that emerged through the same threaded story. Oh, yeah. It says here. Updated uh, it to include that little nugget of information. Days before he was fired by Donald Trump, Comey requested more resources to pursue his investigation into Russia's election meddling and the possible involvement of Trump associates, U.S. officials say, fueling concern that Trump was trying to undermine a probe that would threaten his presidency. Duh. Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein was so upset with the White House for pinning the firing of ex-FBI Director James Comey on him Wednesday that he was on the verge of resigning, administration sources tell ABC News. Jesus Christ. It was unclear whether word of the Comey request put Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein ever made its way to Trump, uh, but the revelation intensified the pressure on the White House from both political parties to explain the motives behind Comey's stunning ouster. I think Trump was thinking, yeah, you know, everyone's going to like me. Everyone's going to love me for this because the left hates Comey just Mm -hmm. as much as I do. Yeah. I mean, they didn't think it through. He just thought that because they'd been calling for Comey to go a long time ago uh, or they didn't have confidence in him anymore, that somehow this would be met with uh, approval. And it's obvious that, yeah, I mean, if we didn't, there was a, a call to dismiss Comey, well, not even to dismiss him, but a lack of confidence in Comey yep. after all of the stuff he pulled with Clinton. Yep. But to Trump then to pretend that he didn't celebrate that and to try to use that as an explanation for why he was letting Comey go when he did. Yeah. Uh, is <laughs> I, I know it doesn't make I'm any sense. I'm running out of adjectives. Well, no, I know because how absurd all of I it. I mean, is. it happened the day before Kislyak and Lavrov were showing up at the White House, and it happened mm-hmm. two days two days before Comey was scheduled to testify, which was, was supposed to be Thursday. Now today, Comey yeah. is definitely going to be testifying. Is that yeah? Is that, and I don't think that's today though. I think it's no. uh, McCabe is going to be testifying, who's the, now the acting uh, uh, director of the FBI, and then uh, we also have. This is another, oh my God, massive, massive story. Mike Flynn's uh, records have been subpoenaed by the Senate Intelligence Committee after he's repeatedly refused to turn them over voluntarily. The Senate Committee asked for them, I think, at the end of April, and his lawyer said he wasn't going to turn them over. By the way, you might remember Andrew McCabe, who's now the uh, acting uh, FBI director. He apparently lied to uh, Reince Priebus a while back about a New York Times story. Remember the New York Times story that suggested that uh, uh, Trump officials met with Russian intelligence? The White House then wanted to, as a consequence of the story, to obviously debunk the story. This is back in uh, late February. They wanted to find any holes in the New York Times' reporting and so on. So, uh, so they met. So McCabe met with Priebus, and McCabe told Priebus apparently, "I want you to know, story in the New York Times is BS," according to a senior administration official who briefed reporters on February twenty-four. That to me sounds like. I think that sounds like the White House line. Of course. I mean, everything that comes out of the White House is a big fat line. McCabe today, in, in, in his testimony today, actually contradicts uh, the White House statement that they'd heard from numerous FBI agents who lost faith in Comey. Right, oh, That was the line that came out in yesterday's press briefing from Sarah Huckabee Sanders, right. uh, who said that they heard from you know countless FBI agents that they'd lost faith in their leader, and that's just not true, and that's what McCabe said. And we were hearing that on social media yesterday, that people were just saying that's not true, that the intelligence community hadn't lost faith in him. Yeah. Uh, and then today McCabe said, no, that's not true, that, that he had not heard that at all. So, well, And that's what you're hearing, right, is people are in the FBI FBI community are just stunned. Oh, they, yeah, yeah. They don't know what to do. And the hope is that they'll maintain their independence and they'll continue to, to move forward as planned. But, um, you know, it, I just don't believe anything that comes out of this White House anymore. And that's a real problem. I and mean, we're 110 days into an administration, and I believe exactly zero that comes out of this White House. And I know I'm not alone. I mean, you have no faith in the president of the United States or anyone he surrounds himself with. What are you supposed to do with that? The whole thing is, a, is such a criminal joke. It's just it's those two things. Again, you can't. You can't separate the, the incompetence and stupidity with the nefariousness of what's going on inside right. the White House right now. They're, I think they're inextricably tied. I think I think the God, I don't know. I, I, we have to break here. We have to take one last break and I'm oh, no. waiting for a break. It, you know, I think the uh, the evil nature of the White House actually stems from its incompetence. I think Trump himself is is badly educated, completely misinformed. He's getting his news from Fox and Friends, for God's sake. So no wonder he's making 
massive errors. He simply doesn't understand how all of this works. He doesn't understand how anything in Washington functions, but he believes that he does understand all of it. He doesn't, I mean, again, he doesn't get it, but he thinks he does get it. He thinks he knows everything about everything. I know words. I had the best words. And it's that kind of incompetence, that, sure. that kind of, uh, in this sense, and, and it's almost like stupid strength. It's like you're, you're so stupid that you're, you're strong. <laughs> Your stupidity is strong. Oh, and, yeah, it's uh, dangerous to not know what you don't know. Exactly, exactly. So, uh, so there's that. Another bit of information in terms of why Comey might have been fired after uh, one last break back after this. You're not going out to play until you've finished all your homework. Oh, mother scrubber. No dessert until you've eaten your vegetables. <sighs> mother scrubber. Who's mommy's little oogie woogums? Show your mama some love. Give me a kiss. Oh, mother scrubber. You're not going out dressed like that, are you? Oh, mother scrubber. This Mother's Day, celebrate the first woman in your life, the one who taught you everything you know with a special something from Bubble Genius. Like our Mother's Scrubber gift basket loaded with mama-friendly stuff, including our cocoa butter-enhanced Yo Mama bath bar and hippie stench perfume. Or Fresh Pick Suds, a lovely collection of flower soaps for your sweet ma. How about an artsy Bath of Venus bath bar? Bubble Genius has something for the best mother scrubbing mama out there. Yours. BubbleGenius.com Bob Seska Wrong. This is the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. Wrong. All right. All right, we're back. Uh, just about to wrap up the show here in a few minutes. Um, so let's see here. What else is going on? Um, you know, just before we wrap up, I just have to ask this question, Jackie. Why the hell do you think these Republicans are just, they continue to flack for such a toxic president? I don't know. That, I mean, that's the $64,000 question. I yeah. don't know why you're willing to go down with this ship. I know that there's an allegiance to party and there's an allegiance to ideology, but it's misguided. And this is not an ideological president. This is not a party line president. I could understand if he were doing things that were harmful to the country, but he was completely married to some sort of deep-seated ideology. I wouldn't agree with it, but at mm -hmm. least it would make some sort of sense. Yeah. This doesn't make any sense. This is not a man who's loyal to country. This is not a man who's married to anything but himself. This is not a man who has anything in mind other than how he's perceived in the media and how mm -hmm. he feels in any given moment. So the fact that there are Republicans willing to to bank their reputation <laughs> this is stunning. on this excuse for a man is beyond me. I, yeah. I don't understand. And where are the people in their lives? I mean, I'm talking to you, Senator McCain and Lindsey Graham and you know, Ted Cruz, who is a weasel to end all weasels, but he's been insulted incessantly by by Trump. You'd think that he would at least have a sense of stepping out and, and standing up or Rubio, any of these people. Uh, and then, you know, I'll give some credit to, was it Ben Sass and uh, Jeff Flake and some of the Republicans who were starting to speak out a little bit, but mm. you need them to, to do something. The words are great, but do something. And yeah. now's the time. Uh, meanwhile, here's what uh, Trump tweeted about uh, Chuck Schumer yesterday. He called him uh, crying Chuck Schumer. He God. said, crying Chuck Schumer stated recently, quote, I do not have confidence in him, James Comey, any longer. Then act so indignant. Hashtag drain the swamp. So, uh, so the president of the United States still dealing in his, uh, his stupid nicknames. Yeah. That the schoolyard taunts and insults. It's absurd. And, and look, and you can say you don't have confidence in somebody months ago. I mean, nobody, nobody believed that what Comey, not nobody, but a lot of people believe what Comey did with regard to the letter before the election and, yeah. and you know, really put Clinton in jeopardy. And it's not unusual that Democrats would come out in, in support of Clinton and, and to denounce what Comey did. I mean, that's not unreasonable. But to then 
turn around and say, well, why aren't the Dems happy about this? Because it's obvious that you fired him because he was getting too close to you. <laughs> We're uh, not, just because he's you're dumb doesn't mean the rest of us are. Uh, bringing the show full circle back to the, uh, the clip I played at the top of the show, I think Trump's new nickname should be Fatty Fatty Toad Boy. <laughs> I think, I'll uh, take it. Hash- How about orange? Orange ha- Fatty Fatty Toad Boy. Yeah, tweet it out. Hashtag Fatty Fatty Toad Boy every time you talk about uh, Biff. All right, uh, when we come back on the uh, post-mortem show, which happens right after the credits are done rolling here, uh, Jackie Shecker and I are going to be talking about... Uh, I-, I have a little bit more to talk about uh, with regard to why the Republicans continue to flack for Trump, which is just, uh, just... I've got a you couple of... theory? I have a couple of theories, just in oh, keeping with the, the conspiracy theory nature of today's show. That I like it. I've got a couple of uh, theories along those lines. Uh, just as a preview uh, for what I'm about to say on the postmortem show, compromat, bitch. You are such a tease, Bob. <laughs> All right. That's coming up on the postmortem show. Sign up at patreon.com slash Bob and Chez. Uh, for $5 a month, you get two postmortem shows every week. Uh, for $10 a month, you get two postmortem shows and an after party every week. That's the uh, not safe for work show that we do on Fridays. And then uh, for $15 a month, you get two post-mortem shows, the after party, and you get an unbleeped, commercial-free version of this show. What more do you want? Uh, po- Patreon.com slash Bob and Chez. Go sign up now. Uh, Jackie Schechner, thank you so much for being on again. We're going to have you back uh, two Thursdays from now. Like, Not uh, just because you have compromise on me, but because... Yes, that's right. It's because I've got uh, compromise. You've been dealing with those Russian oligarchs, the fertilizer king, right? I took... <laughs> I knew it. It was you're dealing with the king of potassium because Russia has superior potassium. I'm doing it wrong. I'm doing something wrong. Where's all this Russian money coming my way? That's right. You're dealing with the uh, the king of Soul Cycle in, in Russia. That's what. I don't know if that exists. No, probably not. All right, that's the show. We'll see you on the after party tomorrow with Kimberly Johnson and uh, back on Tuesday with Buzz Burbank. Take care, folks. Bye bye.